haven't started recording yet. But now, I appreciate that we had to do. <laughs> now let's just all be awkward and We don't have to be awkward. We could immediately talk about what happened on one of my Facebook posts today with what Mark's mom. On one of your... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was so funny. About Karen, about, about Karen and her comment about uh, full facials. She kills me. She like <laughs> I died. I died at my desk. I was like, like I'm dying at my desk today. I, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but either way, I'm there for it. I think it was charmingly not intentional. <laughs> Karen, you'll have to chime in when uh, this episode is posted. Do you know what a full facial is? Mark really no. wants to know. Yeah, Mark needs to know. No, don't. D- no. Fucking, you know what? <laughs> it was so funny, Mark. I am tagging you in the post for this week's episode. <laughs> I'm going to go out of my way to talk about all kinds of horrible tentacle porn <laughs> shit. All of it now. Please Just, don't. Please uh, don't. For the next few weeks. <laughs> on fire now. It's over. Please Christy. don't. No, please don't for the next few weeks. And also, I didn't do anything. Your mother made the comment very charmingly, and like she wasn't trying to be gross. But I, it's phrasing is your thing. <laughs> I had to say something because it was so ridiculously charming that she just did not know what she was saying phrasing wise. It's something I would do. It's something I would totally do. Be like, oh man, I really wish that guy had given me a facial. <laughs> and everyone would have been like, what? I'm like, you know, like all I saw was like the back of his head. And he had a very handsome back head of his head. Good chest. Um, okay. <laughs> let's just, let's just let that hang there for a minute. And, uh, yeah. All right. Welcome back everybody to <laughs> dance robot dance. Our 81st episode. <laughs> We have our usual crew here this week. Uh, I am Tim. I'll be hosting this week's episode. And with me, I have Christy. Hello. And Mark. How's it going, guys? Yeah, pretty good. It's been been a long, long week. One of those weeks where everything goes wrong, sort of, but it's out of your control, at least work-wise, not nope. not not home-wise. But it's been a been a month what's been a month long week. Yeah, just just work shit. Just shit that is out of my hands, but that people get angry at me for that I have no control over, unfortunately. Mm. But whatever, it, it'll it'll pass like a massive jagged kidney stone. It'll pass screeching in the night. Sounds unpleasant. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. It depends if you're into that, I guess. But I don't know. How about you guys? What's new with you? Fuck nothing. <laughs> Mark is still gainfully unemployed. Yep. <laughs> I really identified with the meme of it feels like the 72nd day of January. Yeah. For this week, you know, like it just felt it felt like January lasted forever. Yeah. The last two weeks in particular really drug for me. Uh, Not not so much the week that I was uh, overseas, but the, the week since then, like it feels like that was like two months ago that I went over there kind of thing. So. Yeah, I feel you. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, all distract ourselves from from our relative levels of uh, annoyance with the world with some nerdy news. First one that I have this week is playing off something I think Mark had mentioned a couple weeks ago that the Switch has been doing very, very, very well, the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and Nintendo released some statistics on it a couple days ago. Um, apparently, the Switch has sold basically 15 million units as of the end of December, and it's already outsold the Wii U. Wow. 
which sold like 13 and a half million total like over its whole lifespan. Breath of the Wild sold almost 7 million copies last year. Mario Odyssey sold in two months 9 million copies. Wow. It's a Mario game. Splatoon sold almost 5 million copies. And the first Splatoon game for the Wii U sold 5 million copies total. So it's, they're, they're doing really well in outpacing the Wii U very healthily. <laughs> I mean, well done. Everyone was like, we don't know if it's right. going to work. Well, after the Wii U debacle, I think everybody was a little like, God, that's that console is a piece of garbage. So it's nice to see that they've... I don't think it was a piece of garbage. I think that it served a purpose that was a, like a group play versus any yeah. sort of individual. Was, yeah, the, the real issue is just that they didn't have games for it. Like it, it had interesting features, but they just the, the developers just didn't know what to do with it didn't know really how to utilize those features. I mean, the Mm -hmm. Nintendo games that came out for it were interesting, but you can't sell a console just on like a couple Nintendo properties, especially when you don't release one of your flagship properties for that console. Like Zelda, there was never an original Zelda game for the Wii U. Well, there was. It's just that it ended up getting cross-platformed with the Switch when they decided to launch that. So There was never an exclusive Zelda game for the Wii U, let's say. Yes. Although uh, Wind Waker HD was a massive improvement over the original Wind Waker game, but it still wasn't an original game. Mm. No, no, it was not. I don't know. I always thought the Wii U had some, like, issues that they needed to address and they they i think for the most part i will say like i don't think you get to the switch without the wii u i think that was definitely like they're almost like proof of concept so yeah it worked nicely to get them to where they are now which is doing well which is awesome so and then uh, in other nintendo news do you guys see that there's a in addition to the mario and animal crossing games that are coming onto mobile platforms onto uh, phones there's now a mario kart game on its way to phones as well oh cool called mario kart tour which is due for release uh it's basically sometime in the next 12 months probably closer to like late this year early 2019 that's exciting see how it works on mobile because that's the kind of thing you actually want a controller for and which is not a mobile feature but well on Wii, it was you, you could control it with just the uh, you the know, steering with yeah steering with the the Wiimote with the the gyroscope stuff. Did anybody actually do that though? Did any of you guys ever yeah. try that? That's about the only way I think I ever played Mario Kart on the Wii. Okay, I I played it with like uh, nunchuck and controller kind of thing in there. Yeah. So I always want an analog stick, but I yeah. I will wait to see how they do this before I pass judgment. So. Mm. Yeah, we have we have four of those, you know, plastic like wheels that you put the remote into. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't even know if I have one left. Uh, I don't know if any made the transition to this place. I know we had some before, but but no, I mean, with uh, with all the gyroscopes and, and accelerometers and stuff like that that are in phones now, it seems like they could uh, do a pretty good job with the, those kind of motion controls that way. Yeah, well, to see like how they uh, how they translate that because like that would be. That would be a tricky thing to balance, especially like across the Android phones where you're not necessarily using the same mm-hmm. like gyroscope and stuff like that. Like it'll probably be easier to do on like the Apple side of things where it's always the same gyroscope and like API that runs it. True. So, yeah. But, I mean, we'll see what happens yeah. when they actually put it up. Oh, I'm for sure I'll download it because usually like if it's a more action oriented franchise and they put something out on iOS, then I'll probably grab it. Like I played Mario Run for a couple days anyway before I got bored. Yeah, Mario Run was one of those things where I never actually played it, but I watched my Mark play it. And it, like, again, it was kind of like, 
it served a, a weird purpose that Nintendo doesn't really need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a weird like idea to do that, but I mean, it was still. I don't know, I thought it was well put together considering what it was. Like it wasn't exactly like a triple A Mario Odyssey style like size game. Yeah. And it didn't have to be, which is like whatever, but it was it was cool for what it tried to do anyway. Yeah, like, for like a little like five dollar mobile game or whatever. Yeah. What do you, what do you yeah. expect? But yeah. I mean I think it's interesting that they're now, you know, obviously now that the Switch is sort of a hybrid console that now they're looking at shifting certain properties onto non-Nintendo hardware. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, in news that is probably only going to be, well, only be most exciting for Tim, there has been a sort of pretty massive announcement in terms of what My- Brian Michael Bendis is going to be doing for DC. Mark, have you seen this? I saw that yeah. today. I did see it today. So yeah. basically, uh, Brian Michael Bendis is going to be issuing or ushering in a new era of Superman at DC. So in addition to writing the story for Action Comics number 1000, he is going to take over Action Comics as the writer. He is going to have a six-issue Man of Steel miniseries. And he's also going to be writing a new renumbered, just straight-up Superman title as well. So that'll be three Superman titles all written by Brian Michael Bendis and with various creative teams. I think Man of Steel, the miniseries, is going to be illustrated by Ivan Rice and Pat Gleason is going to be drawing action comics. It's very much reminiscent of what happened in the early 80s where or mid 80s where sort of John Byrne took over uh, and did his Man of Steel miniseries, which was also six issues and then started writing Superman. And yeah. I've never read any Bendis, so I don't exactly know what to think about this, but he is a powerhouse, so it's interesting. I'd be concerned if I was hearing he was taking over one character altogether, mm-hmm. but again, I will abstain <laughs> until it starts well, that's to come what out. I'm, yeah, and that's what I'm seeing in a lot of the online chatter and stuff like that is because a lot of his more recent projects have been very much hit or miss, it sounds like, with Marvel. Um, and a lot of Marvel people yeah. are glad to be rid yeah. of him. Now there are people on DC being like, oh, God, he's our problem now. Yep. So that's pretty much like what the Marvel guys are saying is like, oh, well, maybe somebody new will get a shot yeah. now. Yay. But uh, on top of that, um, they also announced that his sort of original properties are going to be folded into the DC universe, it sounds like, or at least published through DC. Oh, so like Powers is coming over? Yeah, Powers. Um, the, I guess the Jinx world is the name for the, the universe. So Powers yeah. and uh, Scarlet will have new characters and, and stuff that I'm, yeah, I'm not sure whether that's actually going to be set in the DC continuity or not, but I don't know what about that. I doubt it. He they that's where they started when they started Icon at Marvel. It was more or less an excuse for him to just bring powers and publish it under Marvel's banner. Well, he's so. also getting his own imprint at DC apparently. So it sounds like it's going to be similar yeah, to the Young Animal imprint that DC currently has that uh, Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance has been heading up, which is DC characters but in sort of a more adult setting and. It's it's basically sort of vertigo-y kind of stories. So, okay. uh, what are they like mainstream? Are they mainstream DC characters? They, it's like Doom Patrol and Bug, who's a New Gods minor character, and Shape the Changing, originally man, but now it's Shape the Changing Girl. So it's it's more offbeat characters that were like characters that had vertigo titles. 
Okay. So that's the the young animal stuff. So I I don't know what the Brian Michael Bendis imprint is going to be, but there's a lot of speculation about it being like, hey, maybe he's going to do like an ultimate DC universe like he did with Marvel. It's possible. I would. I'd be curious to see where he goes with that. That'd be interesting, so. I guess. I'm like not. I'm not going to hedge a bet one way or the other with him right now because the last couple of years at Marvel have been like, if I see his name on a cover, I just don't read the book. Yeah. So hopefully, it's just that like he was sort of he'd run through all the characters that he had much to say on, and he has, and you know now he's got a whole new fucking sandbox to play in, and you know hopefully. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure he's been sitting there, you know, sitting on a bunch of ideas for these characters for years that he couldn't do because he, you know, was exclusive with Marvel. Yep. So hopefully he's got a lot of ideas to run through before he starts, you know, pissing people off again. Yeah. Well, here's hoping anyway. In less optimistic, at least for me, DC news, apparently there's another live live action series coming, which I should be excited about, but it's another superman prequel series basically is basically gotham for superman it's called metropolis it's lois lane and lex luther apparently the main characters and it sounds like sort of fringe meets x-files meets gotham uh i already saw smallville (laughs) that's my feeling is i don't see what ground that they can tread at least in terms of the superman mythos that hasn't already been tread and retread and retread in smallville yeah for 10 years in smallville yeah i i well i'm not sure if i was the one who actually sent you that news or if you saw it there we've already had a conversation about it that was mm-hmm. i'm not super enthused by the idea of another superman prequel yeah. again kind of thing like especially this soon after smallville smallville has been off the air that fucking long you know what i mean so no i guess maybe 10 years or something not even not even i don't think and then having that Krypton show also, it's just like, just give us a Superman show. Like mm-hmm. there's three shows on the air that are like adjacent to the Superman mythos, but none of them except for one actually feature Superman. And that one still, he's not a main character. Like he just shows up every once in a while. So it's like, just give us the big guys or don't stop. I don't know. I don't know. Don't try. Don't play with those franchises. If you're not going to use the big one, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, tiring after a little while to be like oh it's another batman without batman or it's another superman without superman like all right guys just give me the batman animated series coming back or something like give me something here yeah i mean this this almost feels like a show that like somebody pitched and then said no this isn't interesting on its own wait a minute maybe what if we tied it into some other property kind of thing and they're like hey maybe we make it set in metropolis and it's Lex Luthor and Lois Lane or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, th- like there's a series right now, uh, a Nightwing sort of like, I guess you could almost call it like an Elseworld story or like a what if story that very much started out feeling like, Hey, somebody had an idea for a title, but we don't think it'll sell unless it's got some names attached to it. So let's make it a Nightwing story. Fair enough. Cause it felt very unrelated to Nightwing. Yeah. Um, it's for any, any of our listeners that might be familiar with it. It's called uh, Nightwing, the new order. And it's been pretty garbage. Yeah, so this kind of feels like it might be that. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how that develops. Yeah, that's what it sounded like when I saw the initial press release for it. Yeah. I was just like, I I don't even care. Like this doesn't affect me at all. So yeah, I just have no more energy for superhero yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm getting to that point as well, to be honest. Well, especially on t- like on TV, especially it's gotten to the point where I'm like, there's like 20 of these shows. Like I, I can't care about all this stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah. I just, I'm listening to you guys talk and you know what? Like, I'm really, really thankful 
that, and we've talked about this before, I'm, I'm very thankful that this genre was brought to the forefront so that everybody could be open about appreciating it. And like, it does offer up these really cool opportunities for storytelling, but there has to be a breaking point when people are going to start resenting it a little bit because it's taken over all their other media. Yeah. I mean, is there any genre in particular, Christy, that you feel is like underserviced right now because there's so much saturation with with superhero stuff? Well, here's the thing. I When I watched Dark, I hadn't seen anything like it in a really long time. And it got lost for me a little bit around Netflix stuff because I could have very easily missed it because of all of the pumping up mm. of Marvel and all of the shows that are constantly being showcased. I'm not saying that there's a missing component necessarily. I'm saying that we're looking over a lot of really other amazing pieces of artwork because, you know, we're there's this this giant focus on in like money being pushed into these superhero stories that though very, very cool, I mean, I, I think there's other stories to tell and showcase more what it is. I think we're on the top of a bubble right now and it's about to burst. I mean, we've already seen like some stuff that, you know, at least had enough money behind it that it should have done well, like stuff like in humans, but that just fucking flopped. And so I think we're going to start seeing more stuff like that, where we're going to start seeing series that get canceled after a couple seasons kind of thing. I think, I think we need to, to, I I agree. We probably do need to dial back a little bit and, Take a closer look at what really deserves to get made. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the, now that we've got Christy back engaged, into the Christy corner of news. I remember Christy and Mark, both of you guys saying that you're excited for Red Dead Redemption 2 to come out, but apparently it is going to be delayed until like October. The day before my birthday, actually. The 26th of October? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Since they did this with Uncharted, I'm okay with it. I mean, it, it, it sucks on one level because you're like, I want to play my game. But at the same time, if they're delaying because they found f- bugs and everything, I know what happened with Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> Take your damn time. <laughs> that that image is just running through my mind of like the really awkward like smile that that one girl had. Because I remember like seeing that. Yeah, Chrissy's doing it right now. Mark it a screenshot. <laughs> Yes, exactly. We we've, we are big proponents on this podcast of taking time if time needs to be taken to do something properly. I mean, like, we can be honest. It, it's, you know, kind of like, ah, but I feel like that's, I'd rather them take the time. I don't, I don't want another, I don't want another Andromeda. <laughs> <laughs> Bioware did that with their recent game, too. Anthem? We talked about that last week. Oh, yeah. Anthem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's news that potentially Christy can be excited about if she actually knows who this guy is. They've they've announced a director for or attached to the King Killer Chronicles series, right? Yeah. Series, not movies. Yeah. It's uh, Sam Raimi of Evil Dead and the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies fame uh, and many other TV shows and movies in between. And then Christy fucking sent us some drunk ass messages about this. <laughs> Is it yesterday that we just had? I was tired. <laughs> I wasn't drunk. I was I was half asleep. It was one of those things when like, you know, when you're doing the swiping thing on your phone with the keyboard, yeah. I was like, I was like 90% asleep trying to talk to you guys. And, and it showed, but yeah, so 
I mean, I, I don't know much about King Killer Chronicles, but from what I do know about it, it is a very different property than Evil Dead or Spider-Man, for instance. So I'm not sure this is a, an amazing fit, but he is a pretty solid director in general. So I'm okay with it because I think that it'll add an element of humor. He does that really well, like mixing the, the drama with the humor, but never taking himself so seriously. True. So yeah. I think that's going to be interesting because the fear. Oh, my God. They're making they're making a Last of Us movie. He's producing it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on his IMDb page. So but what? why I'm cool with Sam Raimi, too, is that the King Killer Chronicles is like it's good because this is before anything like really is happening in with Kvoth, uh Quoth. But what what I'm cool with with Sam Raimi, what my point is I'm taking like forever to get to is that I think the fan base is so intense about it that they're going to need someone to make fun of them a little bit, okay. you know? Like they're going to need somebody who can who can diffuse that intensity a little bit. Yeah, who like can can find the the humor in the intense fan base and like you just said like diffuse. I mean, maybe somewhat like Peter Jackson did with the Lord of the Rings movies cuz like he definitely there was a lot of jokes yes. and stuff inserted into there that, you know, introduced a fair amount of levity into those books that I mean there was some in the or into the stories that wasn't in the books, but uh, there was some in the books, but not not that level. And that's, yeah, that's a perfect example. Because I, I feel like with certain fan bases, it's the same thing with Star Wars. I mean, we saw what happened with Star Wars this time. The fan base was so, like, this is ours, that when they released the newest film, a lot of the fans turned on it because it was doing that thing. It was trying to find the levity in the story and trying to find moments where it could be less like drama and it could be a bit more real and people freaked out because they'd never experienced that before with Star Wars. Yeah. So I don't think Sam Raimi is a bad choice. I think he's an interesting choice. I'm not sure he's the best choice, but at the same time, who am I to say? I'm just excited to see what is going to happen with this series. And then when they make it into a movie and a video game, we'll get a different taste. Fair enough said i don't have really have a horse in this race so that's why this is christy's news corner you could have a horse if you listen to the audiobook or read the book and joined us because we have a cult following <laughs> my shame pile is is too large to include anything new at this part moment in time but we'll see maybe I'll, i mean i for the sake of the podcast, I probably will watch the show when it comes out, or at least give it a chance. And if I love the show, maybe I'll go back and read the books. But it's not going to be about the books. Isn't it? Well, I mean, it'll be in the same universe, at least. So no! it should give an idea if tonally it's the same universe. The, uh, I would enjoy the books. Christy's giving me so much stink eye right now. What in your shame pile? What in your shame pile do you talk about as much as this on... <laughs> In your day to day life, but that's Nothing. not a good. That's not a good reason for me to read Nothing. it. It is a good reason. It means you could talk with me about it because Mark's never <laughs> going to. Mark read tried it. to read it, didn't he? I did. <clears throat> yeah, I did. <laughs> what you yeah, like, pretty much. Chapters, bitch. That's like nothing. That's not All enough. Right. All right. Talk to Eric. Eric was like not into it and then all of a sudden he became super into it and all the guys are reading it now we have a chat called the eric mark uh spears and i have a chat that is called 
Pat Roth this fan club. And we talk about it all the time. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love those boys. I love it. They get me through some they get me through some hard. Well, work. now that Christy's suitably enraged, here's something that I suspect may enrage her even further about Fantastic Beasts the Crimes of Grindelwald. <laughs> Have you seen this news item that what? What's the guy's name? Johnny... No, not Johnny Depp. He's the director. David Yates has sort of come out and said that they're not really going to talk about Dumbledore's being gay and Dumbledore's past relationship with Grindelwald. It sounds like that is going to be very much minimized if, if mentioned at all in The Crimes of Grindelwald. So the, the quote is uh, when they asked if what? that was something that was going to be explored is David Yates said, not explicitly, but I think all the fans are aware of that. He had a very intense, he meaning Dumbledore, had a very intense uh, relationship with Grindelwald when they were young men. They fell in love with each other's ideas and ide- ideology and each other. But the big part there is that he's said that not they're not going to address their relationship explicitly. Bullshit. 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 Call him bullshit. Call him bullshit. Why can't we have a gay Dumbledore? Rowling has gone back and said we had a gay Dumbledore. He said he was, said he was gay in the books. Pretty much just like almost explained that he's like in love. With, this is stupid. This is stupid. Is it because is it because Jude Law doesn't want to make out with Johnny Depp? Is that it? Because I wouldn't want to make out with Johnny Depp either. But I would do it for the art. Like let's. I I'm so what what this is is ludicrous ludicrous yeah i've 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 got some i've got some lgbt friends right now that are very not happy about this in particular Ah. because it's it it very much feels like erasure yeah it does feel like that's 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 so shitty like why wouldn't you include that that you would have such a like wonderful audience for it everybody is looking for it oh i'm so mad oh i'm just so mad and it's not one of those things you'd necessarily need to make like, you know, a full a full storyline or like a major plot point even, but just to address it, to acknowledge it feels well, necessary. Yeah, and again, this is coming from somebody that has never read these books, does not have any wait, real frame of reference. So You've never read Harry Potter? Oh my god. I've seen the movies once each. Oh I, my. I've never read the books. Do, do you know how old I, I was this. when I the fucking books this. came out? I just it hurts me every time. It like it hurts like the first time. Ever. But my yes, sister fucking loves them. Uh, Order. I want to say Order of the Phoenix, Phoenix is like her favorite book ever. She's got a copy. Oh my god, that's so cool. Signed by J.K. Oh, that's so cool. Also, I'm just you know we do talk about this a lot, and I just think I block it out every time because it just hurts me. It hurts me so bad. Ugh. But I am the, also the only one on our podcast that's been to the Wizarding World. No, you're not. I've been. Oh, that's been to Diagon Alley. That's true. That's fine. That's fair. <laughs> There's a new cruise out. Karen told me. Love you, Karen. Your mom's best. Um, but no, I. Mm, here's the thing. You're a right. Harry it didn't, Potter cruise. Yeah, there's oh. Harry Potter cruise. Yeah, she posted about it for Paul and I. We were just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. I agree with you, Tim. It didn't. The thing is, it would be so great if. This had been the beginnings of how, like, to handle LGBTQ relationships in film. They didn't have to, like, make it a big deal. Dumbledore and him could have just been gay, and there could have been no discussion about the fact that they were, like, gay. It was just be about the relationship, not about the gay factor. Because, like, we got to stop handling gay relationships as if they're as n- not normal they need to be normalized yeah. they need to be normalized because yeah. it is normal like it, it needs to stop it's like 
it, it needs to be stopped being made a thing because it's gay or because it's a gay relationship. It needs to be about yeah. the relationship. And this would have been an incredible yeah. opportunity to do that. Well, Mark and I were talking about the Black Lightning show just before we started recording, and they've got a really good lesbian relationship on there that, like, they're you know just treating as a normal relationship kind of thing. Yeah, and it's a black it's it's between two uh, women of color as well, which is I don't know so, not something I can recall ever having seen on a TV show before. Then again, I don't watch a lot of TV that features people of color, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it, I, I agree. I think it's just something that needs to be treated as normal and not necessarily like, you know, made a big deal of. Agreed. I don't, <laughs> I don't, yeah. I think they're, they're handling it really well on uh, Black Lightning, the Harry Potter thing. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that J.K. Rowling, as much as I admire her, she is not a risk taker when it comes to this stuff. She mm. waits to see what the fan base will say and then backtracks. And makes it canon to her stories. Yeah, and that's one of those weird, like, internet age things, right? Is, like, this wouldn't have happened with many other things. Like, I doubt somebody like George R. R. Martin, who's been writing for so long, would really take into account what people think about particular characters or something like that in how he would write. Whereas J.K. Rowling very much seems to do that sort of thing. And I, I both appreciate that, but find it frustrating. Because, I mean, why did she even have to declare that Dumbledore was gay? You know, it could have just been, it could, like, the way she wrote it, it was, there was a pretty big implication that he was in love with Grindelwald. Like, there was a, he never was with anyone, and, you know, it, I get what she was doing afterwards to confirm, but she's done that a number of times, and it doesn't cheapen what she's made, because cheapen's not the right word. But it means that anything like dilutes it a bit, a, maybe. Yeah, anything could be a reality, and to me, that's just like, no, stick to what your your ideas were mm-hmm. fundamentally. And so that's why this is frustrating because if she's already claimed that Dumbledore was gay, then why not use this as an opportunity to create the normalization that should be surrounding all types of relationships? Agreed. I don't know. All right. Well, I don't before- know. Where Christy just completely goes off the deep end on this one. Let's move on to Mark News Corner. Well, this one probably appeals to all of us. We're starting to get the first reviews coming in for Black Panther now, and they are overwhelmingly fucking glowing. As well they should be. (laughs) Yeah, there are people saying this is the best Marvel movie ever. There's, yeah, it's just really, really, really strong reviews overall. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was already pretty fucking hyped for this movie, and now I'm even more so. Yeah, same here. I mean, it has... Yeah. And like also they they if they can't nail a superhero origin movie 19 movies in like what are they doing? So I'm not surprised that they've like really killed this one. I'm hoping yeah. I can't wait to see it. I am super looking forward to getting back into the MCU, so. Yeah. I think here the the biggest key was them nailing the racial and cultural aspects yeah, of it, absolutely. which it sounds like from all the reviews that I've seen they've just absolutely nailed. Um like I'm seeing people, you know, saying that this is like these are like movie. This is a love letter to blackness. One said, "So that's cool." Yeah. So it they sound like they've really hammered that. Like the, it could have been done in a way that felt really like superficial and pandery, but uh, it sounds like they've deftly avoided that pitfall. Well, they hired the right people to do the movie, so I. Oh yeah, Ryan Coogler for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I would hope they stuck the landing on this, and like the Marvel guys have always been pretty good about hitting the mark that they want to hit. So yeah. 
Also, it's about time they're starting to showcase these, like, this, like, idea of different superheroes that are just equally as, as awesome. Like, having Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman killed it, and that was all about empowering yeah. womanhood. Now we're embracing... We're embracing black culture and what that means in like both the, to be Americanized, but also to see traditional viewpoints from that specific like like subculture. It, I feel like it's not the black su- like black culture, but it feels like it's like deeply deeply rooted in black like black history. Yeah, yeah, and like black like you know? mythology and and imagery and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to. I don't know about you guys. I just don't want to say that it's black culture as a whole, because I think that's a misinterpretation that this one movie can summarize all of black culture, but it does yeah. seem to like be bringing forth a really like, I'd love to see a storm movie. Oh, you're going to, you'll, like you'll see origin? that probably really soon. Once those, uh, and you might see black Panther and storm get married. Yeah. You'll probably <laughs> see them get married. Yeah. Cause they, they're yeah, in the comics, they've been married for, yeah, they get divorced, but then they have a child and they get back together. I'm not sure if they're on again right now or not. I'm a little out of the loop, but yeah, they've had a they've had a thing for like the better part of the last two decades. So yeah, but I think it's it's great that they're opening up this potential to showcase at least like one like section of, yeah. of the storytelling. Yeah. yeah, because there is so much there's so much to explore in that like of its own like subcultures. So this is really cool. That it's getting awesome reviews is is great because it should it's it's new to us but it's like not new to uh a lot of yeah. people so yeah and it's nice nice for those people to have it uh feeling political this red wine <laughs> to have it sort of uh hitting the mainstream as it were and related to that as well the soundtrack album that is coming out along with it looks like fucking fire too it's uh kendrick lamar released the track list for it uh earlier this week and it's got i mean it's got like multiple tracks of kendrick lamar it's got Khaled, it's got vince staples it's got future it's got fucking two chains the weekend so it's looking pretty solid as well like this has that's one been one of my issues, maybe with the exception of like the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, is that the soundtracks for the Marvel movies have never been like outstanding. But this looks like it's got promised to be maybe the best Marvel MCU soundtrack that we've had so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If it's as strong as the playlist was for that they put up for Luke Cage, then it should be. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Good. Well, the the thing here is that a lot of well, were the Luke Cage songs. Some of those were original, but some of those were, I think most of them were, were, you know, yeah. previously recorded songs where I think most, most, if not all of these were recorded for this album. doesn't necessarily say quality, but I mean, yeah, no, no I think it's a good it's idea. It's not something that's done very often anymore, at least. No, not anymore, especially. Yeah. I think Guardians is the only other one that really does that kind of like, we made a soundtrack for our movie kind of thing. Mm. But I mean, in that case, that was all that was all previously recorded stuff, like rather than yeah. original tracks. Yeah. yeah. While we're on the Marvel corner of the universe, we posted to our page the Ant-Man and the Wasp trailer that uh, came out earlier in this week, which uh, I thought looked pretty good. It's still not the movie, you know, the Marvel movie I'm most excited for this year, but uh, it looks looks solid at least. Uh, That's pretty steep competition to be the <laughs> Marvel movie I'm most excited for yeah. uh, when you have like. Black Panther is like a couple weeks away, and then the next jump after that is Infinity War. So yeah, I guess there's a lot of people who are probably kind of sleeping on Ant Man uh, and the Wasp. Although that trailer, I really enjoyed it. I like the first Ant Man. It's not 
It's not like yeah. a top 10 Marvel movie or anything like that. Actually, it might be top 10, but it's not top five. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. not like one of their best, but it is definitely like, I enjoyed the shit out of it. I've seen it a couple of times. I own it. Like, I own all of them. So it's not really saying a whole lot, but <laughs> it's got Paul Rudd in it. It's probably going to do well, and it's probably going to be pretty entertaining because like they're bringing that whole cast back. Like, that cast had good chemistry and was a they lot really of fun did. to like just kind of live with for a couple hours. So, yeah. Yeah, my only concern is how Evangeline Lilly's going to play off everyone else because she had a pretty m- relatively minor role in the first one. Yeah. And she's a hit or miss actress for me. Agreed. Yeah, I'm the same in, way. In large part because of fucking Toriel and the Hobbit movies, which was just a garbage fire. After dealing with her on Lost for however many years, I was I could see hit or miss. Yeah. Yes. So Yeah. So let's see, what else did I have? Mark, this is one that I feel like in particular you'll be excited about if you haven't seen already. Do you remember about, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago when there was a Star Wars Transformer crossover line? I vaguely remember it, yes. So that's happening again. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, so the there was that, that line of basically Star Wars vehicles that turned into robots as transformers are wont to do that died out in 2012 but now there's a transformers millennium falcon that becomes a han and chewy oh. oh really a han robot and a chewy robot okay that's cool it's kind of a combiner or whatever yeah yeah it looks it's takara tomi so that's like the japanese company that- that's the the real deal that does the big masterpiece uh, transformers yeah so yeah that's pretty cool and it looks it looks pretty fucking big and the sort of the the vehicle mode looks really nice yeah yeah it's 135 dollar toy but uh it looks pretty fucking awesome after some of the masterpieces i bought this year that does not sound that bad so yeah <laughs> fair enough because the higher end masterpiece guys like will run a couple hundred bucks so yeah, if it's put together with the same like level of attention to detail and quality that they put into the masterpiece, it'll be worth 150 or whatever. So yeah, all right, two more pieces, then we can move on. Unless you guys have anything to add, one Mark, have you read any of the Valiant comics? Oh man, a million years ago. So like, really? Yeah, in the 90s. Okay, I never have, but they're I don't know, like a C list publisher, maybe. C-list is being too generous. Yeah, <laughs> but they... If they were C-list, they'd still be around. Yeah, they've had a little bit of a resurgence in the past few years. Some of the characters they have are like, what, Ninjak? Fuck, I don't even know. Solar, I think. Uh, is it right, Solar, Man, Man of the Atom. Man of the Atom, yeah. And there's another guy who like fights robots. Uh, Bloodshot? Yeah, I can't remember anymore. There was a dude that fights robots, and I can't remember his name. So that's neither yeah. here nor there. But anyways, the Va- Valiant just got uh, 100% bought out by Chinese interests as a company. So now they are... I look forward to Solar Man of the Atom on Netflix next year then. So... (laughs) Yeah, it sounds very much like the the company that bought it is looking to uh, start parlaying those into, yeah, into uh, uh, visual properties, into movies and TV shows and stuff like that. So good fucking luck. Now they now they've got a bunch of Chinese money behind that. So we'll see where that goes. (laughs) Good fucking luck. And like if we're if we're burning out on this stuff, could you imagine what like the general populace is feeling right now? Yeah, this is the world I always wanted. And I'm like. I can't do any more superhero shows, guys. Like, I can't watch any more of this shit. Like, I just can't. Especially not ones like these that there's, like, very little, if any, built-in audience yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't care that much. I don't care. I mean, that's it's interesting because, like, it's, it's crazy that all these places keep getting bought up and these properties are still selling like that. But it's, 
I don't care. Like I'm getting Superman and Batman movies and like the Avengers comes out in a couple months. Like the fuck do I care about some like Z-list string of fucking shit superheroes that was canceled in like 1996. Like who gives a shit? You know what I mean? So it's a weird, (laughs) it's a weird story. It's a weird story. I'm sure somebody out there is super fucking excited for that. Like I'm sure I'm just one dude. It's going to be somebody on geeks with kids like Eric and them are going to be like super (laughs) fucking excited. Somebody's going to be really excited for Valiant. And I'm gonna have to eat like my words. Spears or something like that. Spears, Spears yeah, is gonna be like, yeah, I love ninjas. Yeah, Spears is a big fucking ninja guy. So I mean, good. I'm happy for you, but like, what's the point, right? It's not like we're sitting around and the big two aren't making multimedia properties anymore, which is what we always wanted. Yeah. Now it's like, well, I get 28 fucking superhero shows like a week, and I can go to the movie theater and probably still watch Thor and Black Panthers out in like 10 minutes. So yeah. Do I need your solar man of the atom TV show? No. <laughs> yeah. That's about my feelings. I'm just reinforcing that. So, <laughs> yeah, but finally to switch gears to something that probably has a very significant built in audience. There is a sequel to Stephen King's the shining in development. I mean, the, the book, it sounds like is, I'm not sure if uh, there is a book, but it's called uh, Dr. Sleep that is now fast tracked at Warner brothers with, Mike Flanagan at the helm. I don't recognize that name. No, I don't either. Is King involved in any of this, or is this just like we own the rights, we're making this kind of shit? I don't know. I mean, it, it's what's it called? Doctor Sleep. I feel like Doctor Sleep is not Doctor Sleep novel. Oh no, it was fucking written in 1977. So, oh no, wait. Let's see. No, it was it was only released in 2013. So, if it was released that recently, then you would guess that he must be involved. Then King. Yeah, must still have some significant involvement in it. Yeah, I don't know what else Mike Flanagan has done, though. Google help me. Mike Flanagan. IMDB. Mike Flanagan has... No, he's edited a bunch of things. I want to know what he's actually directed. He might not have directed anything. That might be his first movie. Oh, yeah. It looks like it may be... He's directed a bunch of TV or movies and stuff... Or uh, TV shows. Absentia. He directed, uh, which is a horror movie from 2013 that might be the movie that the new Absentia TV series is based on, although, which I think is what Geeks with Kids did their most recent episode on, but I haven't listened to it yet because it only came out a couple days ago. Oculus, he directed. He seems to have done mostly horror so far. Oculus, like the WWE movie? Uh, Oculus. Is that the one with. That's the one with Karen Gillian, Karen, right? Karen Gillian, Karen yeah. Gillian, and Katie Sackhoff. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That was produced by WWE. Oh, really? Why? Yeah. yeah. Why is WWE producing horror movies? They've produced. They produced one with Halle Berry right before that too. That was not anywhere near as good as Oculus. Oculus was actually pretty good. So, huh. weird. I think they got into that business because they thought they could spin more than just one superstar off into that business mm-hmm. and. It didn't really work out super well for them because that one superstar is out there doing stuff. And I guess, I mean, uh, what's his name did too, but he was gone from WWE like Batista Mm. for a long time before he broke out and like one, like got into guardians of the galaxy. So, yeah. um, And then, and then blade runner. Yeah. And then blade runner. Yeah. So it's not like they're home growing talent to an extent where they're like actually making any money on it. So I don't know if they're still doing it or not, but, yeah, there was a couple of years there where they were definitely like try- Vince was trying to get into the movies, so because he's getting back into football, 
Did you not hear? XFL's coming back. Oh God. Yeah, I did. Yeah. What's his name from the the chairman of WWE, Vince McMahon announced that this past week, right? And he's I guess he's trying to play yeah. it off like the whole NFL like kneeling controversy. Yep. And uh, and saying, look, our players will all kneel for the national anthem, which isn't even a thing. Yeah. Or we'll all stand for the national anthem, and yeah, yeah it's oh, he's uh, he's he's his wife's in the cabinet, so he's like on that side. I know, so. <sighs> but yeah, so a sequel to The Shining in the works, which honestly I'm very apprehensive about because that's massive shoes to fill in coming in to direct, you know, something that is following up a Kubrick masterpiece. Yeah, but that's that's that movie Stephen King hates. Yeah. So like. Yeah. I know, yeah, that's true. Stephen did not like, uh, did not Kubrick's like sake, yeah. Kubrick's Shining at all. So we'll see how that uh, that actually pans out. Yeah. So I guess Doctor Sleep involves Danny Torrance, the son, as sort of as an adult that is encountering a new supernatural menace, and he's still got like his sort of psych, his I guess the Shining. He's still got oh, like good. his sort of psychic in tuneness. So I don't know. That's we'll see. I don't know. Like I said, don't not a big Stephen King fan. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, that was everything I had. Unless you guys have anything to add. Not this week. All right. Well, with that, let us move on to our Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. (laughs) Uh, So since Christy's eating, I'm going to go direct to Christy and say, Christy. What's the geekiest thing you did this week? Oh, hi. Oh, man. I know immediately this week. I'm not this. like, no, oh, way, no, what did no, I do? Wait. Here's this other thing I did. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, man, I live a geeky life. So yesterday I went and spent an absurd amount of money to get my hair done and dyed purple. And it, I've wanted to dye my hair purple for a long time. But what really pushed me over the edge was how good Gert looked in the runaways <laughs> with it. Yeah, so I was like, okay. in, in your hairstyle right now. Yes. But what happened is actually mine's shorter than hers was. So I went into my hairdresser and I didn't say anything about it. But I had this like image of Gert in my head. And I was like, if I tell her what I, what Gert looks like, she could make it very much like Gert. But I, I wasn't sure that's what exactly what I wanted. So like I let her do what she wanted. And the whole time I was like, mm, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I'm so nervous. And then the minute she washed and blow dried my hair, I was just like, Oh my god, I look like Gert from the Runaways. I'm so happy. And she was like, Who? <laughs> and I was like, you know, Gert. Then did you like show her a picture? Yeah. And she was like, Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And I was like, No, did but do you know do you know Runaways? She was like, No. Then did you tell her to listen to our podcast? Um, no. <laughs> of course you didn't. I wanted her to want me back as a client. <laughs> um, and I didn't know, I came home to see Mark and I was like, look, look, I'm Gert from the Runaways. And he was like, no, you're prettier than Gert. Don't say you look like Gert. And I was like, uh, she a hottie. So, <laughs> and has a dino pet. So, you know. Yeah. But now, uh, and I have new glasses coming in that sort of look like hers, which was totally unintentional. So I'm pretty much transforming myself into Gert from Runaways. Subconsciously. I don't think it's, I don't yeah. think it's subconsciously, Tim. So we'll see. She's actively <laughs> It was, it started off as subconsciously, but now it's becoming more and more. You're going to start tanning now? Is that what's going to happen next? No. No. Because blackface is offensive. I will not. Or Latina face, whatever it is. Nah, I'm good. Gert's kind of like. I'll just be who I be. Gert's kind of like not really well defined in her ethnicity. 
At least not her in the show. Are both no. white on the show. So I guess she's just white, right? Because he's white and she's like a ginger. So I thought Gert was adopted no, as well. No. Gert's not adopted? No, she's their Gert's actual, their actual daughter. They adopted oh, okay. Molly. Molly's yes. adopted. And her parents like that were on the show were Latino. So they did use Latino actors yeah. properly for that. But she's the one. Though That's the pair that died. And she was adopted by Gert's parents. Yeah. yeah. Right. The fire. Okay. Fair enough. All right. But yeah, that's my gig of the week. It was pretty. It's pretty geeky. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, you're really committing to your cosplay. Yeah, hardcore. <laughs> now all I need is green shorts, a and belt, a dinosaur. and dinosaur shirt. You're permanently cosplaying. Yeah, and and a dinosaur just to follow you around. Oh, let's make my Mark dress up as a dinosaur. Yeah, you get one of those. You <laughs> get one of those uh, those T Rex. Oh my god! You get one of those T Rex costumes. <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> Honey, the next con, <laughs> you dress up in one of those dinosaurs, like with those T Rex suits, and be old lace. I'll be great. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> what? What did you say? Okay. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Super exciting. Mark, what was your geekiest thing you did this week? I caught up to. Oh, there's, a, there's been a lot of geeky things. I've got a lot of time on my hands right now. But I guess the thing we could talk about, I've I've caught up to The Exorcist. So I've actually watched season two of that show. Mm-hmm. Are you have you watched any of it, Tim? Not yet. It's still mm-hmm. on my list, but it's it's maybe two or three down okay. on my list in terms of shows I need to get. Although I am starting to get through new shows, which is gonna be my geek nice. of the week as well. Nice. No, I caught up and I was like I didn't like I liked the first season. It was okay, but the second season was actually like a step up from there. I thought it was really good. I've heard it's gonna get canceled though, so I'm kinda bummed out because I thought they finally like they'd hit their stride, like they were doing something that was far enough removed from like the original movie and book that it would let them kind of do their own thing story-wise without without being totally behooven mm-hmm. to that kind of like little girl being possessed kind of story but no i thought it was pretty good it was it was interesting i also watched and i let you like let the guys know i i caught up to well not caught up but i watched shape of water this weekend and it yeah. was good christy will like it more probably the best out of all of us for sure it's very it's a little cutesy for my taste so but there's a lot of violence in it. There is some pretty intense, like gory stuff going on in a couple spots. Yes, but you'll like I it. I believe it, Del Toro. You'll like, yeah, it's definitely it's it's such a Del Toro movie. It's very much that. So yeah, you'll enjoy it. So yeah, I've been like catching up on TV and stuff this week. Not nothing like super exciting. I've been really enjoying where Discovery's going too. Like that's been pretty awesome. Like I enjoyed yeah, this past I, episode. I, and what else? Well, that's about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go too much into that because I know Christy hasn't watched it yet. Yeah, and that would definitely spoil some shit for. Her, but yeah, uh, the last few episodes of Discovery, the last arc has been pretty solid. Yeah, I had some issues here and there, but like, if we ever do an episode on it, we can get into it. But it would be, mm-hmm. it's been fun, and it's been nice having. I like the fact, like when I they first did it, I was like, I don't like that they're not just giving it all to me to binge right away. But it is kind of nice to have that, like, ooh, I get new Star Trek, like a new episode of Star Trek this week. That's kind of a cool feeling that's been, like, a long time since I've had. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, we've only got a couple episodes left in the season now, too. Yeah, there's only, like, two or three left, I think, or something like that. So Two. two it's two. Yeah, we had the... That was the 13th that came out yeah. this weekend, and there's only 15 episodes in the season, so... Which seems weird. Like, I feel like they almost should have just finished it with that, like, th- that felt like a good season finale. Like where they were last this episode. week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they, they doing the Game of Thrones thing where it's like really the second last episode is the ultimate? They might be. It could be, yeah. And then the next couple episodes will be just kind of Fallout from yeah. 
the the big big things that happen. They're definitely gonna have to do a fallout episode for like all the stuff that's gone on this year so far. I think like yeah. be because they're gonna have to set some kind of status quo for if they they ever come back with this, like come back next year. Yeah, that's so. that's one thing that's been weird is that we're you know thirteen episodes in the season. I have no idea what the fucking status quo is for the show yet. Which is awesome. It feels more like that to me makes it feel more like Deep Space Nine, where like things are it's even and even more so, where like you're not really sure where people are landing, like who's gonna die, who's yeah. gonna live, like you don't know what's going on all the time, which like. For a Star Trek show is really different and pretty enjoyable for me. Like I like that feeling that like these people may not all survive, and nor should they. Like they're on a deep space mission, and space is fucking yeah, deadly. So you should. Yeah. Some of these fuckers should die. Like you don't want them to, <laughs> but they should. You got like the biggest gob on your chin. There it is. Yeah, you got the food. You got the food on your face, there, Christy. I know. You got it. Got it. It's really Good. messy. I didn't expect this to be this messy. My Geek of the Week is that I started watching another series that we've talked about a lot or that uh, has been getting a lot of attention uh, the last couple of years. I started watching Black Mirror finally. And I hadn't fucking realized how few episodes of Black Mirror there are. Oh. And I was like, because I was thinking like, oh, three seasons. That means I've got like fucking 20 something episodes probably to get through. But no, it's like... 10 episodes or something like that across three seasons so far probably 12 i think well i guess they're the the fourth season just came out right well the fourth season's also six episodes so you probably got like 20 episodes like 18 15 no because the first were only like three or four four. each or something like that yeah okay so probably something around yeah i guess maybe around like somewhere between 15 and 20 episodes total i can't believe that never came up in all the times that we've talked about (laughs) black mirror Tim sent out a message to us and was like, I can't believe nobody mentioned that like each season of Black Mirror is like three episodes. And I was like, I just assumed you knew. Like, I just thought that was like, because <laughs> everybody always talks about that in relation to Black Mirror. It's like, oh, a new season of Black Mirror is like, well, I'll be I'll be done that tonight, I guess, kind of thing. If you can yeah. stomach sitting through three or four episodes <laughs> of that show, then can't. Yeah. of that much, uh, think we, of that much like mental desolation. Yeah. <laughs> all at once. Yeah, so Black Mirror, I've I enjoyed. I've only watched the first two episodes so far. Uh, I enjoyed them. I found it to be a little heavy-handed for my tastes. I mean, I'll, I'll still keep watching it. It is definitely well made, but I think it's it might just be that I have a lot of experience with like this sort of dystopian predictive fiction kind of thing, and so I'm a little like I see the point of it a lot faster kind of thing than. Somebody, because I feel like it's targeted to a pretty wide audience. It it is just maybe not. I don't know how to say this without sounding fucking pretentious. As fuck. You already do sound pretentious. As fuck. You may as well go for it. <laughs> but just like that, that I've read or seen stories that sort of just work on a higher level than this does. Yeah. That being said, it does have like good messages so far. But yeah, the the one the two major observations that I have were one for the first episode, which is all for anybody that hasn't watched the watched it yet. Spoiler alert is all about the Prime Minister of England fucking a pig. What? <laughs> I have you not watched it, it either? Like no, Christy. Um, no, I find it incredibly disturbing. Oh. And yet you watch Dark. Yeah. Well, Dark Dark is it's different. <laughs> But I I felt like it borderlined on farce. Like I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to laugh at it as much as I did, but I laughed at it a lot. And by the end of the episode, I was almost expecting like the prime minister after everything has gone down to like go out into his backyard and like cuddle the pig and be like, "You're my only friend now, Betsy," or whatever. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then the second episode, one of the reasons I've been I started watching it was I was looking for something new to watch on Netflix like while I was exercising because we got this new like little tiny this new little tiny elliptical that I can just like put down in front of our TV, you know, huge TV and just go away on it for like, you know, a 45 minute episode or something like that. And then the second episode is the, uh, the, the, the bikes. Yes. Yeah. The, the one with the exercise bikes and, uh, and, uh, Daniel, uh, Oyaje, I think is his name. Yeah, uh, who's, his name. who's in get out. And yeah, the whole premise of the episode is just, that they're like constantly just cycling to power something. Yeah. They don't know what kind of thing. Oh, kind of like Rick and Morty. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And so I I did feel a little weird, like standing in front of a piece of entertainment, a big screen and like pedaling away yeah. as I was watching this episode. <laughs> it was basically lampooning that whole idea. It, but no, I, I've been greatly enjoying it so far. I'll definitely continue watching it. I've heard so many good things that I'm sure. And, and the, the performances, to be fair, have been really good overall. Like it's produced very well. The writing's pretty good. It's just not necessarily quite to the intellectual level that I was expecting it to be based on all the hype I'd heard from it. All right there, bougie Tim. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> Anyways. So that's my geek of the week. Cause I started watching black mirror. Nice. So with that, <laughs> let's move on to our meat of the episode. Meat of the episode. Old and new meat. meat meeting together. Delicious. Delicious. Family meat. I feel like now we're just looking for ways to just make our tags sound as inappropriate as possible. <laughs> I don't know how inappropriate that Fam- is. Most of the porn that shows up on the front page of more torrent sites these days is pretty much all incest porn now. So yeah, it's weird. I, I don't understand it. I never understood it. But yeah, I don't know. It's like the big thing right now. Hmm. That's that's not our topic for this week. <laughs> porn is not our topic, but family is. Now that we've severely tainted the rest of the episode. Well, I feel like I've done my part for this week, so <laughs> enjoy the rest uh, of the episode, so this, guys. This week is an episode that, that the three of us have, have talked about doing for a while. Uh, I don't know that we've mentioned on the podcast a whole lot, but uh, we wanted to talk about inherited geekery. So nerdy interests that you got from family members, particular senior family members, probably most often your parents, but it could be from grandparents or from an aunt or an uncle, sort of something that that uh, is, is a, a geek heirloom, if you will, handed down between the generations. So yeah, this is it's just sort of uh, geeky interests or hobbies that are in your DNA, so to speak. Uh, they don't have to be something necessarily that you're still into and that you still you know practice or or participate in to this day but uh, at least something that you had an active interest for uh for a period of time uh yeah so with that let's just get right into it and uh, i asked the guys to just come up with a few and we'll just go off on them and see where it takes us so now that christy's mouth is full again i'm gonna ask her to start <laughs> so give us your first instance of inherited geekery so my first would be Star Wars. Nice. My dad loved Star Wars, and like I had all he had all the action figures. And you said he you said previously he like gave all those to you, didn't he? Mm-hmm. I have them in my closet. Yeah. Nice. And they were what my brother and I played with 
almost like exclusively for a long time. Amberly didn't have as much of an interest, but Nick and I really loved, like she loved the books. She loved reading the books with mom about Star Wars. She and mom always read that because mom was a big Star Wars fan too. Like the novels? Yeah, the novels. Okay. Like about um, Luke and Leia's, or Luke and Leia, Leia and Han's kids. Yeah. Oh, so like the old extended edition, or extended, Scott, expanded universes. Yeah. Which is okay. now mythology in the new. Mm-hmm. Disney has erased that. Silly. Yeah, and so my whole family were just Star Wars geeks. Because I guess that's our, our parents grew up with that, you know, was first being released. It was a huge, massive experience for them. So how old, like what what years would your parents have been born in? Mom was 57 and dad was 60. Okay, so they would have been like in their like late teens, early 20s when Star Wars first hit. Mm-hmm. So that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, that's okay. right, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so um, and my dad's always been like a toy guy. He's always had toys. He's always collected them. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we just, we loved, I loved Star Wars before I'd seen any of the movies. Because I knew all the characters, I knew all their names, and my favorites were always C-3PO and R2-D2. I had I carried my little C-3PO and R2-D2 around with me everywhere. Nice. Yeah. Like uh, the, the little, those little figures, like the yep. two, three and a half inch figures or whatever? No. Yeah. Um, and I loved, the R2-D2 was great, because if you shone a light above his head, a light would come out of his, like his... Uh, oh, and, and his little... Yeah. His module. Yeah, I just, I loved them. And playing with the Millennium Falcon, it had sound effects. So it would go like, and it would go through all like all the motions and everything. So when we were old enough, dad would sit down and watch Star Wars with us. And we would like, I I was obsessed with it. Like it was just, it was my first real experience with sci-fi and fantasy besides like Disney, but Disney was not that at all. It was like grown up sci-fi. Yeah. So, and there were some mature themes in in Star Wars. Incest, for one. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's one of those Ooh. ones you don't necessarily pick up on in the first first watch through. Like, it takes no. a couple times for like, wait a minute, that's, that's weird. weird. It caught it caught my eye pretty quickly, but I don't know. I was <laughs> I always thought that was a little fucking weird. But I was like six or seven <laughs> when I first saw them. I was probably about the same age. I wouldn't. I didn't pick on up on that. I just really. I remember loving Yoda because I also really loved the Muppets mm. and just like fucking loved Yoda. But yeah, yeah. So, no, Star Wars is definitely. It's uh, that's one for me too. It wasn't necessarily on my list, but uh, my dad was really into Star Wars, and uh, not necessarily like he. My dad was born in forty nine, so he was like. 30 well almost 30 i guess when the first uh star wars movie came out so he wasn't like buying the toys and stuff like that but definitely still passed that on to me like he loved those movies and my mom not so much but uh my dad definitely i have the same both my parents love those movies i think they they like to tell me all the time that i was in utero when they went and saw raiders of the lost ark specifically yeah. So, oh <laughs> yeah because it was in 1981 when that came out and i guess they went to the theater while she was pregnant with me to see it <laughs> well that's uh colbert's thing too right because colbert okay colbert colbert always says he was in utero at like the million man march oh uh, okay but, but no, he that's also talks about how he was like one of the he got to see like a preview of the first Star Wars movie or something like that. So he was one of the first people that got to see the original like New Hope as oh, well. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, wasn't quite on the radar in 1977 yet. So yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, not even gleams yet. No, uh, uh, no, no, not yet. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Do you have any other any other good like Star Wars stories with your family, Christy? Any times in particular that they like really fostered your love of a galaxy far, far away? Well, I mean, there were always moments when I have a very fond memory of my mom reading. This like I remember we went to the library once and she went right for the fiction section and found like three different Star Wars books. And I just remember her being so excited that they were there because she put them on a hold because apparently they were very popular (laughs) and um, like sitting at home with her. And I didn't know what the hell was going on in these books, but I would just sit with her while she'd read them out loud. And that was really lovely. And then with my dad, he would like pause the movie and explain what was happening or ask if I was too scared or if I was okay. He really prepped me for the Han being um, frozen. And like, just, they were very like caring about <laughs> Yeah, that, that fucked me up as a kid too. Yeah, it's a fucking terrifying scene. Disturbing. Yeah. And he let me like watch the first like 15 minutes of the next movie to make sure that I knew that they got Han back and the Han was okay. Han would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but really it was playing with the I remember dad sitting down and telling us about all of the characters even though I was really little he explained why each one was relevant and who they were and I thought that was really cool because I, I didn't know I was just like spending time with my dad and loving it because he loved it and because he had such an interest in it so I remember the first time I watched the movies I was kind of like what? Because I was, I didn't know, like, but I enjoyed them because of watching dad and mom just being, like, enraptured by them. So my weird thing with uh, the Star Wars movies as a kid was that it was uh, Return of the Jedi. We only had, I think all of them, we only had, like, recorded from TV for a long time, like, on a VHS tape. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how what always happens there is, like, you forget to start recording or something like that after a commercial break. So there were, like, minutes cut out of them that I didn't even know existed. And I was just like, okay, this is just the movie. Yep. And there was probably, like, the first, like, five minutes of Return of the Jedi that I never actually saw until we actually got a VHS, like, full copy of the movie. And I was like, oh, my God, a whole, a whole new world. Yeah. And arguably, like, some of the coolest shit happens in the first five minutes of that movie, too. Yeah, right? that's like, true. Yeah. So, that's awesome. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, now that Christy's stuffing her face full again, let's move on to uh, let us know one of the things that you inherited from your parents. There's a lot. I was actually, when we were, when you sent out the, the list of questions, I started thinking about how much stuff I've inherited from my family. It's a lot more than I would have given them credit for, I guess, probably. Yeah, this is going to be a multi, multi-part series yeah. for sure, guys. So I guess to start off and do like the, the easiest one that everybody will recognize, like the my music fandom, it definitely comes from my family and my mom and dad in particular, and they have always kind of fostered it in a, like a litany of different ways. Mm. So like they were... Like when I started like picking up on music, mom always had something playing in the house. So like, oh man, like we grew up in Southern Ontario. So there's one radio station that like everybody listens to. It's called 97.7 Hits FM. It's like all hard rock, yep. all hard rock, all the classic rock, like yep. classic rock and hard rock. And at the time they were playing new stuff, right? Because like that was when all that kind of hard rock that they now play all the time still, even though it's like 30 years later and they should probably, you know, move on at some point. They still play that (laughs) stuff. So like there was always like, well, with my mom, especially there was always U2 playing in the house. There was always Beatles playing in the house because of dad. 
And then like with that station playing, like I got a pretty early education in like the classic rock of like the seventies and eighties and sixties and stuff like that. So when I started getting into music, they didn't discourage me from like, there was no like editing or censoring anything that I would listen to. So like I was 10 years old and I mean, my dad go out and buy me appetite for destruction and whatever weird stuff was going on in the lyrics of that thing. They were just like, okay, that's not reality. Like just kind of talk to me about it. <laughs> didn't, but still let me own the albums and stuff like that. So that probably didn't help me getting into the weird dark stuff early, but there's that. And then like later on, especially like not playing instruments so much, like they've come to shows and stuff here and there, but like sending, like they were the ones who sent me to my first concert more or less. So I bought my first concert was, well, I saw the tea party first in town, but they bought me the tickets and kind of brought me to the show. And then like very quickly as I learned to drive and was able to go out of town, like I've told these stories on the podcast before where like my mom and dad for Christmas bought me hip tickets and stuff like that. Or, before I could drive, like drove me to Barry to see Pearl Jam in the summer, the one year and stuff like that. So they've always been pretty cool about that. And now it's to the point where it's completely flipped. And like my mom's iPod that she listens to nonstop is pretty much just like a mix of her stuff and now my stuff too. So she just, we just listen to the same yeah. music all the time now. And if I get something new, I just, I have to put it like she freaked out the other day. Last time I was down because the new Matthew Good album didn't make it onto her iPod. And I was like, nobody cares about Matthew Good but me. I'm completely <laughs> 100% sure of that at this point. <laughs> like, because I'm just sure about it at this point. But she was <laughs> like, no, 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 I really want that album. Like, I like Matthew Good. I was like, all right, I guess that's fine. So now I have to like make sure her, her and dad's iPods stay up to date and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's weirdly flipped now, but that's funny. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had a little bit of that with my parents. My, Dad got really into Green Day, like after I got into Green Day, um, and and a couple others as well. But uh, Alicia has had that even more than I have. Like her mom really got into a lot of like the more industrial stuff that yep, she did. Yep. Like she mom loves like Nine Inch Nails and stuff. Like yeah, my yeah my mother in law loves like uh, Nine Inch Nails, like Marilyn Manson and shit yeah. like that, which is really strange con- compared to like the other shit she listens to is like Josh Groban, yeah, okay. and stuff like that. <laughs> There's definitely been times where people have come over to the house or whatever and kind of like asked if it was my music playing because there's like something really heavy comes on. I'm like, no, that's my mom's iPod. And they're like, oh, okay. Cause like <laughs> mom, like is obsessed with Ramstein or Ramstein or however you want to pronounce that. Like, that's German. hilarious. Ooh. Like it's yeah. Duas. Yeah. She fucking like loves Ramstein. I, I'm always just blown away by how much she likes that stuff. And then I remember coming home one time uh, from up here and I walked in the house and there's nobody home except for Harley, like my dog who like I, so I walk into the house. Harley can't hear me because mom's got music just blaring <laughs> that the entire neighborhood can hear. And it's like, it was ISIS. And I was like, there's one of your neighbors is going to start asking questions eventually. about like, <laughs> shit You're listening to Cause it's my stuff and it's not like, it's super heavy and like long. So I was like, huh? Interesting. But yeah, yeah. She linked me just the other day on Facebook to uh, Mastodon and Primus are touring this summer. And she oh, yeah, was like, saw oh, they're playing at like this little place that's like right over the border from where mom and dad live. And she was like, oh, I want to go to that show. And I was like, you want to go see Mastodon and Primus? Like, <laughs> you're in your 60s now, mom. But okay. <laughs> we can make it happen. But yeah, she's been to, uh, 
we took her to see the tea party last year and in like 2005 i took her to see pearl jam because i had four shows worth of tickets to kind of like not get rid of but get rid of really because it's like i'm going to use one and then who's going to go see them in kitchener with me kind of thing but she came to she saw them in hamilton with me and has been to a couple shows like that with more with my sister than with me but yeah, so much show. Like that's the the whole music thing is so much show that like we were starting another podcast, Paul and I, so just to talk about music. <laughs> so it's a very family like affair thing now. So yeah. Well, that's funny because one of mine is about music. I'll talk about it when I get back to my turn. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I have a bunch of music that I could talk about as well, and there's there's going to be one topic in particular that I'm going to talk about this episode. But my my first one that I'm going to talk about is probably what's my primary geekery now which was uh, inherited from my dad and uh, his youngest brother one of my uncles which is comics and it's not something that they're into at all anymore but my the first comics that i ever read uh were basically like hand-me-downs from my dad and i don't even i i've never really talked too much with him about it like where he got them or like you know how interested he ever was in it kind of thing but uh i remember that i had um, this is probably maybe around like eight or nine years old or something like that. He gave me an old issue of Donald Duck comics Aww. and an issue of DC's Brave and the Bold, uh, which at the time was a team up book that I think was, I'm pretty sure was always like Batman and somebody else. Usually that book is Batman and somebody else. So yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. And, uh, and they were probably from like the, I'm going to say like early seventies, something like that. And the, I remember very vividly, and I'm pretty sure I still have the uh, both of these, but the Brave and the Bold one was a team up with Batman and Mr. Miracle fighting a villain called Kraken that was basically a computer program that had booby-trapped this entire island. Anyways, it was suitably like 70s ridiculous comic book storytelling yeah. kind of thing. But both of those, I can remember that I'd read so many times that the covers have fallen off of them, which in retrospect makes me fucking ill. Yeah, yeah. They're they're like fucking forty five year old comics at this point, and That's I've so I destroyed them. Uh, but they also bred a lifelong comics fan, so I guess I can't be too upset. And then later on, my dad, uh, I guess he must have been like clearing out, helping to like clear out my uh, grandparents' house, like just some, you know, stuff that they had in storage in their basement or whatever. And he came across a bunch, maybe like, maybe like 30 or 40 issues of World War II comics that were my, that were my uncle Richard's, not, not like from World War II, but they were like about World War II, like in the, in, in, again, same sort of era, like in the maybe like late 60s uh, through the 70s, there was a big sort of resurgence. There was a lot of popularity around World War II stories. So they would be stuff like Our World at War, The Unknown Soldier, uh, Sergeant Rock and Easy Company. Uh, On the Marvel side, it was like Combat Kelly and the Dirty Dozen, The Haunted Tank, stuff like that. And a lot of really like beautiful Kubert art, uh, the senior Kubert, Joe Kubert. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in in a lot of these kind of thing, and and they'd been at my grandparents' house probably for like ten years at that point. So they were just like, "All right, well, he's probably not going to come back for them." So my dad just gave them to me. <laughs> nice. And so I, I I still have all those to this day. They are well loved, but not as well loved as those other ones. Like they still have the covers. They're not in the best shape, but yeah. uh, I I've read you know all of those at least like twenty times, kind of thing. 
and my uncle still gives me shit sometimes as my my uncle Richard is my dad's youngest brother still gives me shit sometimes he's like yeah when are you gonna give me those comic books back and he's I'm like yeah I think they're mine now it's like uh, uh I, I I'm, I've exerted eminent domain over them at this yeah, point I was gonna definitely. say it's like eminent domain or salvage laws or something yeah, like that exactly like, yeah yeah what is it uh, possession is nine tenths of the law yeah exactly so <laughs> that's still like that's cool yeah. So between those, uh, those were the earliest comic books that I ever had exposure to. And then when I started hitting like my teens is when I really started to actually actively read and collect comics and stuff like that. In terms of my parents' involvement, like more, maybe a little more direct, uh, both my mom, and my dad, like if I was, you know, sick or not feeling well or whatever, even without me asking, they would like go to the comic store for me and pick up my pull box. Nice. Or like just, you know, go to a, if they knew I wasn't feeling well, they'd just like go to a convenience store and pick up just like a couple random issues off like a spinner rack or something like that and bring them home to me. Just say, here, we know you're not feeling well. So here's something to, you know, just distract you or whatever. So, and even to this day, my parents still somewhat begrudgingly store and house the bulk of my comic book collection that's right that's right i forgot about that yeah all your shit's at their place still eh? yeah i mean let's see probably about like 75 80 percent of my comics are still up there most of them are ones that i've read although there's probably still about 20 or so long boxes up there that i haven't read that are in their basement but i mean they have like a huge like three-story house with a full basement kind of thing so it's not like they're really hurting for space uh, so it's, I don't feel really bad about it, although they do sort of guilt me about it pretty regularly. I was going to say, I bet you they give you a ton of shit to get that shit out of their house, too. Right? Yeah, well, but it's just sort of like I just don't have the room for it in this house. Like, uh, I really would have liked to have had a house with a basement where I could store them. But it just there's not, a, I guess, just because of the strata of Atlanta, where it's still in the foothills of mountains, mountains, there's not a lot of houses that have like full basements that are like climate controlled. So it's not super common in the South. I don't think to have a basement in your place. So Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. So I just don't have the room for them here. So for now they live there and maybe when I move back to Canada, we'll get a place that has a basement where I can, you know, have a full on like man cave. That's got those like 60 plus, Jesus. 60 long boxes or whatever of comics uh, will have a permanent home and all my comics can finally be together. Are you going to are you going to run those based on like uh, Brody rules? Like, is it is it touch not less you be touched? Is that how it's going to work More in less, the uh, yeah. in basement? All right. Awesome. Yeah. Tried to teach you how to handle comics when we were in sixth grade. You wanted to play Little League. Yeah. We still got to do that fucking yeah, Jersey I Trilogy episode, Christy. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Christy, Christy, watch Clerks. No, it's like a, it's like an hour and a half, and then we can finally do that episode. All right, I'll watch it. Watch it about halfway through the week between recording sessions, so that you're like, because it's really just like listening to Tim and I talk to each other yeah. an awful lot. So maybe <laughs> space it out a little bit, so that you're not just yeah. getting like a lot of like Kevin Smith style talk. So yeah. if not, we're just gonna have to do do it with one of our one of our listeners. I'm sure. Sure, we could get Spears or Mark or somebody to uh, very easily step in and do a view a skew episode with us. Yeah, they'd probably be pumped. <laughs> or we could do a two. Or we could do a two hander. Or get Paul because Paul loves those movies too. So I'll watch True. Oh my God. <laughs> do that. You guys haven't read so. the King Killer Chronicle. Yeah, but you're asking us to read like a thousand page book versus us asking you to read a ninety minute comedy that you'll probably enjoy. <laughs> watch one of the best indie oh, sorry, movies of guys. all time. It's- 
It's just that like my shame pile is really big right now, so I just want to time to like throwing fucking shade. <laughs> Good for you. That wine's staining your lips, by the way. Yeah, get the getting those. I guess that's another thing that I can say that I inherited from my dad is I am drinking while we record this week, and that I probably inherited from my father. Although my mm. father would probably, I'm drinking cocktails. My father would probably be drinking red wine like Christy and have those red wine lips and and red stained teeth. I don't have red stained teeth right now. On the left side of your mouth, there's some kind of stain thing going on. Oh yeah. <laughs> See. You run your fucking mouth too fast, Christy. Every time. I'm just a slob Every apparently time. today. I'm a slob. My eyes are watering. I've got. You know what happened? I accidentally when I was like spilling food on myself because i'm a slob i got to- that's how you eat is you spill food on yourself and hope some of it gets in your mouth is that I, yeah that's pretty much it. it's like it's like you Sounds could take, it's like when you take popcorn you just throw it at my face and see how much yes. you get in yeah. <laughs> that's how i eat popcorn too that's good yeah. we have a lot in common right now. no i was like just touching up like a little bit of the the sauce that had gone on my chin and then i touched my eye forgetting that i put like three tablespoons of like uh, crushed red pepper. I was trying so hard not to make noise, but part of the reason I wasn't talking is because I was just like, uh, uh, I didn't uh, notice you were fucking with your eye again. And, yeah. I had to click away. So that's how I noticed. <laughs> because that's Mark's thing now that we know is, is he can't stand it when people fuck with their eyes. He can't. No, I have a problem. <laughs> It's but fun. yeah, that's my first one is comics. And even though it's not something that my dad or my uncle are really still into, it's something that they were into at some point and that sort of really caught root in me. So, all right, well, let's move back over to Christy. Christy, give us another bit of inherited geekery. Well, let me ask really quick. Mark, are you going to be talking about Star Trek? It's on my list, but it's further down. Okay, because Star Trek was a huge thing in my house. I've talked about that before. Wait, Jay, so you had wait? Both- both a Star Wars and Star Trek house? That's very rare. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ours was like that, too, though. So, like, we had a little bit of both. We were more a, uh, probably because of me, we're probably more of a Star Trek house than uh, the other one, but yeah. um, mom the loves other those one. Star you Wars movies. Bring yourself yeah, to yeah, no, Star Wars. <laughs> mom loves well, those Star Wars movies, so there is that. We had Star Trek more consistently in our house. Well, that's easy when there's TV shows, so. Yeah. And especially by the time you were old enough to get into it, you had a lot of fucking TV shows to watch too. Like, yeah. So. Well, we. I don't think dad. Dad got into it in the in the beginnings, obviously, but mom didn't get into it until she married dad, and so her first real experience with Star Trek was Next Generation. Just because, like, there was there was a long time between the original and Next Generation, wasn't there? Yes, like 20 plus years. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, dad grew up watching the original, but then when next when TNG came into play, he introduced mom to it cuz he was so excited. And then when I was little, Next Generation had started doing its reruns and it was it was Voyager. So it was always like we had a family evening of watching Star Trek like twice a week. That's awesome. We nice. would get we would all we would order pizza like once a week, we would order pizza and we'd sit down on like a Sunday. I think it was Sunday, ni- Sunday nights and dad would be done all of his preaching stuff. And we'd we had this like little TV in mom and dad's room and we all gather around their bed and watch Star Trek. So your preacher father 
got you to sit around and watch a show about the future where everybody is an atheist. Yes. Interesting. Well, I wouldn't say they're necessarily atheists. Like they just there's there's just no religion ever really discussed. Well, at least not Terran religions. Well, yeah, there's doesn't, no Terran religions. Doesn't Picard have um like no. a no, I not I remembered all. him having a faith. The worst, the worst you get is the kind of offhandedly mentioned Christianity here and there a little bit in the original series. But by the okay. time you moved into... As, as like a relic? Almost, yeah. Like there's a chapel on the ship, but you only see it used once and that kind of stuff. And they only use it for weddings and that kind of thing. Mm. By the time you move into to next gen, Roddenberry had decreed that like religions were a thing, a superstition of the past and like didn't apply to Star Trek anymore. So... well. There's they come and go with it. I mean, there's definitely a lot of religion in the alien cultures. Like, yes, clearly, yes, the, the religion the features Bajorans very heavily. Yeah, very heavily yes. in the Bajorans and the Klingons with Kalos and everything. But, like, in terms of, like, the the Earth population, like, the, the Federation population, yeah. there are very much, like, no religions for humans anymore because they are supposed to be elevated or whatever, right? Like, it, it's yeah. whatever. It's not, not a big deal. So, Well... Um, side note, that thing in the corner of my mouth was actually, it was mascara, because I rubbed my my mouth with my <laughs> I don't think that's where mascara is supposed to go, Christy. No, it's not. Class. I mean, I, I'm not an expert on makeup, you know. I, 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 I only do drag three nights a week, but... Anyway, Let's Just so, leave that uncomfortable silence there. No, it's not uncomfortable. You go, girl. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, it was an event. At my house, Star Trek. It was a big old event. And, um, it was in my house, but that was only mostly because I was really into it. Yeah. Well, this yeah, was same. like our entire family. Like, that was the other thing. My mom read the Star Trek books as well. I read a lot of those. A yeah, lot of they those. were really good. I had, I had all the fucking TNG books. I still yeah, do I mean, somewhere, like a book in my parents' or in a box somewhere in my parents' house. There's like 60 or 70 TNG books. Yeah. Yeah. They were really good. Some of them were really yeah. Good. Some of them some were of really them good. Were some of them not. Were, some of them were hot garbage. Yeah, hot hot garbage. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So I don't know that it was again. That's part of the reason why I love Voyager so much is because it was such a family thing. And like I was Janeway when I was nine for Halloween. I'm so disappointed in your parents. So disappointed. <laughs> Sorry, the we couldn't binge on Netflix, Mark. I know. It's sad. They let me. I'm sorry that my parents let me believe in a strong, independent woman who can right, run her own right. ship. All right. All right. Get off my back, bro. I got your back. I fucking love Janeway. Yeah, you do, Tim. I love Voyager. Like Tim and I love each other. <laughs> Just that reason. No others. But yeah, I think I think my mom might have been a little bit into the original series, but really the the Star Trek love came very much from me and my household. Yeah, same here. And to the point where now now with the movies, mom's all into it. But I know when we were growing up, she hated it. So because that was very much something me and my dad did was like watch TNG whenever it came on. I think it was Tuesday nights back in the day. But either way. Speaking of which, this this might maybe should have been my geek of the week this week, but I did get to call out somebody that was uh, we had one of our cocktails and cupcakes parties on Saturday night, and somebody came over and we were talking about Discovery, and they were like convinced that Discovery was set in the Kelvin verse, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Prime Universe. 
And eventually, like, I found that article and, like, linked her to it on yeah. Facebook. And she's like, well, I guess I was wrong. It was like, fuck yeah, you were. Yeah, I could have. Yeah, I could have told you that sitting in the room. <laughs> but yeah, it's not obviously not Kelvin verse from the look of it. So, yeah, I could see how if you're not super up to date on everything, you'd be confused because, I mean, visually, it's very much like it very much looks movies. Kelvin verse in the yeah, yeah. In visuals. But anyways, do you have any more any more stories about uh, Star Trek in your family, Christy? Just that I remember making the costume with my mom and her being so proud. <laughs> she was just like, this is so happy because Amberly and Nick, like, they were cool stuff too, but they were proud of me for being Janeway and wanting to be Janeway. Like, my dad was like teary. He was like, she's so, so, so great. And I think it was just like, it was, it was just really lovely to grow up with. And that's why I, I didn't like Deep Space Nine, but maybe that's just because we stopped watching after Voyager. Because, like, mom had just died, and, like, I I don't know. I was kind of over it for a little while, because, like, it wasn't cool to like Star Trek in high school. No, it was not, no. and that's when those shows were on. So. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I for definitely... Us, for us, anyway. I think I've already mentioned on the podcast before that I did, like, my drama, like presentation one year i made like everybody do a star trek the next generation role play it did not go over well yes you probably probably got beat up pretty regularly for the rest of the year but yeah so that's it like just that it was uh, i really enjoy it i I need to go back and rewatch it again because i love so many of the characters and like it hits some really deep nostalgic roots when i watch it and it's just you know it's one of those things that you can only love that much because of the connection it has to your family. And like, it makes you think of your parents in like a really good way. And you can appreciate that they brought that into your universe because it kind of shaped who you were. Like it's the reason, part of the reason why I just, I love sci-fi and fantasy. Agreed. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Let's come back around to Mark. Give us another inherited geekery. I think everybody is pretty aware that I draw relatively regularly and it's part of like, what is my career now? Kind of tangentially related i guess to my actual career but that's something that came from my family and not my nuclear family so much my mom dabbled with drawing and stuff like that and dad like is lucky if he can draw a fucking stick figure on his best day (laughs) if he's tracing something that i drew for him to trace like he just can't hack it but like my great-grandfather was a really super skilled watercolor painter Mm, um like there's a bunch of watercolor paintings that are kind of in like you'll go to certain aunts or uncles houses and like my great-grandfather's stuff will be like up on the wall that's awesome and that and he did really cool landscape stuff that i've always been i'm 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 shitty at that kind of stuff for the most part i like to draw cities and fucking dudes in bat suits because that's my thing but what was his name maybe we can actually look some shit up uh i don't know if any of it's online it was carl angle but i doubt it's anywhere online uh, I would require somebody older than me in my family to have technological enough technological skill to put it online, which I don't think happened until my generation. So probably Fair. not. But it might be but worth looking. There is stuff. There is stuff around. Like I, we might have some here. There's definitely some mom and dad's house that are up on the walls and stuff like that. Between him and my, and it's weird because it comes from both sides of the family. This is one of those ones that actually comes from both sides. My, I have an uncle that. I didn't know until way later, but he went to graphic design school in Toronto and he's always drawn stuff here and there. So like there's illustrations that he did like when he was in school of my brother and like stuff he did for Paul because Paul was the baby kind of thing. So mm-hmm. everybody, the baby gets all a little like cutesy drawings, but there's a couple things 
at my mom and dad's house that my uncle drew. So I didn't really know that I had all this lineage as like a like an, as an artist. Um, it wasn't until a little bit later that I found out that I had like, oh, an uncle on my dad's side that was like really into it and very good. And then like my great grandfather that like that I found out later, like before he like started to decline, I guess, like was a avid, like constant illustrator. Like he was always drawing or wow doing watercolor paintings and that kind of stuff so i i didn't realize how naturally i came by that until way later because for the longest time it was like in my nuclear family or even like the the immediate family like my grandparents and cousins and stuff like that like nobody else did anything like that so i felt like the black sheep um it wasn't until way later that i realized that that was like one of the things that are like both sides of my family has always had members that are very active in so it was kind of cool so it's one of those things, reasons why i st- like struggle to keep it active too, because it's like a family thing now where mm-hmm. it's like, I have to keep doing, doing it because leg- my family's always legacy. done it. So yeah. 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 So drawing is like, yeah, it's one of those like legacy things. So, nice. and I'm like the only one in like that I'm aware of out of all my cousins that do it, that does it on a regular basis. So I feel like it's like my thing to keep going with. So yeah, there you go. Drawing was my, the other thing. Beauty. That's cool. All right, uh, we're back around to me then. So for me, this is another one that is uh, from generations past parents. I inherited a love of sort of swing and jazz music from both sets of my grandparents. So I know we talk about music a lot in the podcast, but this in particular isn't one that we've sort of delved too deeply into. But I fucking love like it's it's all like all the classics like Glenn Miller, Oscar Peterson, Sinatra, like. Artie Shaw, oh, yeah. like Billy Holiday, Charlie Parker, Chet Baker, Duke Ellington, Django Reinhardt, Louis Armstrong, like all the really classic, like 40s ish, like I guess like late 30s or uh, 40s kind of music. Dude, you are speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. And it's, we never talked about this. <laughs> and it's very much music that I, I love and, and love to play as well as to listen to. So I I do, I'm sure I've mentioned on the podcast before that I do like play bass. I don't do it as much anymore, but in high school, especially like I played in our uh, high school jazz band and that I probably wouldn't have been as interested in if not for my grandparents' interest in this music. Cause it was just, it was that kind of music that they would be playing, you know, just in the house whenever we were around kind of thing. And, you know, over to visit or over if like our, they were looking after us for a day or two kind of thing. Yeah. So let's see. I mean, occasionally like they would buy me albums for my Christmas or birthdays, but it was just really the fact that they would play it and that, that I got exposed to it through them is really the, the main reason that I think I ended up getting into like swing music, jazz music, like crooners, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's cool. And like the the best kind of memory that I have about it is uh, later in my grandparents' life. This is my uh, dad's parents. They had, uh, they lived in Hamilton, um, like just up on the crest of the mountain. And they had, but they had a cottage in Port Dover on Lake Erie. And later in life, my grandfather lost his driver's license, which he probably should have had taken away from him years ago because he was legally blind and could not see for shit, like to the point where my grandmother would have to like yell at him what the color of the light was as they approached it. (laughs) She would be like, green, 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 yellow, yellow, red, 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 red. (laughs) 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 Which which was really exciting if you were driving in the backseat with them. (laughs) 
But yeah, eventually there was an incident that happened where my grandfather's like, okay, I guess I can't drive anymore. (laughs) And, but they still like would spend uh, like a week at a time in the summer at this cottage in Port Dover, but they needed people to drive them there. So it would just sort of rotate around like, and because we lived in Brantford, we were sort of pretty close and I could go and like pick them up and drive them down to the cottage or pick them up at the cottage and drive them back to Hamilton kind of thing. And every time that I did, I had like a playlist on my iPod. This was like early 2000s, like, well, I guess really late 2000s. That was like all the, all that like early jazz music and, uh, and swing and stuff like that. And I would play that as we would drive along and then they would like sing along to the songs. Cause this was like the songs that they grew up with or not necessarily they grew up with, but I guess like, that that would have yeah. been playing like when they were in their like late teens, early twenties kind of thing, which is really like yeah. formative years for music, right? Like that's what you generally yeah, exactly. just sort of come back to and identify with. Um, well, it's the same way. Like if we were in the room together, we would all, well, maybe not Christy, but well, actually no, probably Christy too. But like, we'd all be able to like sing along to a Weezer song, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I guess I depending on tons of Weezer songs. Yeah. Era specific, yeah. but yeah, like just that idea. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, because that's what we that's what we were teenagers when we were listening to. So if that's what they were listening to when they were teenagers, they're still gonna remember those like you know, that that's the song they, you know, had their first dance yeah, to, exactly. first they kiss. Would dance together to kind of thing and yeah. First grope in the back seat of mom and dad's car, probably, you know what I mean? Mm. Like my yeah, my grandfather see? in particular was yeah, my grandfather in particular was very vocal about their their their, their sex life in later years oh he yeah. was very <laughs> we we had to apologize to many a waitress oh jesus uh, <laughs> but the thing is is that my grandfather was like the epitome of like a charming old man like he could get away oh. with it and i don't necessarily condone it but he was like just super charming and really personable and yeah. you know every and like if he ever would like put his hand a little bit too low on a waitress's hip or something like that she would always just be like no it's fine he's you know he's harmless kind of thing senile yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> except for the fact that he's like rock hearted because so. <sighs> you know those guys are just like the horniest old fuckers <laughs> alive too yeah. right like Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, you say gross, yeah. but that's why we're all still here. So it's true. Yeah, exactly. We're we're all only here because our grandparents fucked, folks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You have to deal with that reality. Someday, Christy. <laughs> welcome to your welcome to the reality that sets in on, in your thirties. Like that's just because our grandparents smashed like rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's going to happen eventually is you're going to become like an adult in the room, and they're going to talk about it in front of you. That. <laughs> yep. That's it's a happened. horror show. Not my grandma. They, they yeah, don't talk ha- about that stuff. It's happened. It's happened to me. It'll happen. It'll happen to Eventually. all of you. But you don't understand. You don't understand. My grandma is like the sweetest lady. Like she had trouble talking about like, I don't think I've seen her and my granddad kiss. How many kids do they have? Three. So there. that's three confirmed times. No, I know. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. I don't believe or anything like that. My mom's parents uh, didn't sleep in the same room for as long as i can remember but they had like six kids and we're like so for a little while they yeah definitely they, did. they were smashing hard for like four or five years <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, anyways yeah it was just it was it was always really cute like driving along 
driving along with my grandparents and they would be singing along to these like 70 year old or 60, 70 year old songs kind of thing. And it, the, the really thing talking about smash. Yeah, exactly. But the really like, even my, my grandma started to like get forgetful and stuff uh, before she passed away. Um, but even when her mind started to go, she would still remember a lot of the words to the songs, which was always, oh. yeah, it was always just a nice memory for me. That's, there's a very powerful connection between dementia and music. And like, they've done a lot of studies on how uh, that can, like stimulus can bring people back. Yeah. Yeah. Music's a good trigger for memory. Yeah. So right up there with smell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it can help a lot. But. Um, but yeah, and and even when all of my grandparents have passed away now, but because I had such, like I, more than any of the other grandkids, I had this connection with them over music. When mm-hmm. they passed away, I ended up getting like all of the albums and CDs and stuff that they had as well. So Ooh, nice. That's cool. It wasn't a lot of like records. It was mostly like CDs and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm, I assume they must have had records at some point, but they must have just gotten rid of them or something like that. So most of it is like CDs, but it's still they're you know good good memories for sure. Nice. So all right, well let's go around and do uh, one more sort of sort of well let, let, let's not do a lightning round. This isn't something I feel like we want to rush. So let's go back to Christy and, and give us one more. Okay, I know. Okay, so I have a couple like that are music related, but for this episode, I think the thing might it's it's very random. But my dad loves, loves the opening scenes to Top Gun (laughs) and The Lion King. Like, he would, when we got a big screen TV, we were the only people in the neighborhood that had the big screen TV. So, like, Danger Zone and uh, Depenya. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Savenya. Uncultured wine. The circle of so the circle of life and danger zone. Yep, and it was it wasn't even all of danger zone and like he loved danger zone and like I listened to that song a ton, but it was more the. And like he would just blast that shit. And he'd be like, Christy, Christy, come downstairs. <laughs> and I'd run downstairs and he'd be like, you're ready? I'd be like, yeah. And he would just blare it. And then he'd turn it off. That was all we could watch. just watch the first like 10 minutes and that's it. <laughs> For the first like, you know, I never saw Top Gun until I was like 15. Because <laughs> I did. I was just I genuinely was just like, oh, yeah, that's a cool opening sequence. And people be like, "Do you like the movie though?" And I'd be like, "Who's Goose?" <laughs> oh, Goose! Why are you making all these duck jokes? Now, my question is, how badly did it scar you when you finally got a chance to see it? And yeah. then what happened to Goose? Happened? To oh, Jesus Christ! I remember pausing it to see if his neck had actually like broken, because I was like, "Nah, no, not Goose!" <laughs> like it was, it was devastating, but. Yeah, I didn't see Top Gun until I was, well, maybe not 15, like 14, but it was years of just seeing <laughs> the, opening. the opening. They did a gag on but uh, I loved They it. did a gag on Robot Chicken this past week that was Top Gun related. It was like duck duck goose duck duck 
goose and then they just show like goose falling into the ocean with his neck snapped oh jesus that's <laughs> fucking dark. it was one of those like really, I you know, sometimes you do those like really quick like five or six second bits yes. it was one of those yeah. ones oh my oh. god so bad i love robot <laughs> chicken they are they're so every funny. once in a while robot they chicken. still get off a fucking zinger yeah oh my yeah. god but anyway, uh, there's no one ever gets my robot chicken reference when I'm like, I'm a champion. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I say it constantly. Nobody gets it. Yeah. I'm a champion. No, so it was that and the Lion King opening sequence. So like now whenever I watch or like whenever I hear the circle of life, it's just like this glow of like childhood. <laughs> like catharsis. Both of those movies have traumatic deaths. Yeah, it's true. I can't remember the last time I saw The Lion King. It has been oh, man. decades. I like, I can quote that movie so well. And if you ask like me to give you, no one ever would. But if you ask me to give you a complete like musical rundown of the beginning ten minutes of Top Gun, <laughs> I could do it note for note. That's a really that's, valuable. Hey, story. that's fair. Highway to the dun, danger dun, zone. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's okay. There's still there's still a couple movies from my childhood that like if you set a line to it, I could probably go from that line till the Bill end of the movie and oh, not yeah. miss any dialogue. Bill and Ted, yeah. I can absolutely do, not do that for. Ghostbusters yeah. and Ghostbusters 2 and Batman and the 86 Transformers movie. <laughs> the 86 Transformers movie may be the most quotable movie of all time for me for some reason. I have every <laughs> second of dialogue from that movie completely memorized. It's really terrifying. <laughs> and you can find a good use of your brain space. Yeah, absolutely. And you can find exchanges <laughs> on Facebook if you go far enough back where Paul and I just start quoting it at each other randomly. <laughs> like, for no reason. And then, like, when GIFs got introduced, like, the GIFs started coming into play, and it's just like, we both need to get lives really bad, I think. so. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm like that with all Disney movies. Like, my parents loved Disney. Disney was, like, the shit. And that was that would be another inherited for another time. Like I loved all the Disney movies my dad loved. Like he and I both shared The Hunchback of Notre Dame as like our favorite Disney movie. But like it's not anymore. But it was it's it was up there for a while. Yeah. yeah, I liked it a yeah. lot. But yeah, so like those those just like I love loud, loud, blaring, <laughs> kick ass opening sequences. And then I don't need to watch the rest of the movie. I do, but I don't need to because I'm satisfied. And that's from my dad and they're so good like yeah. they're just in the in the like 80s and 90s they were so good <laughs> like For just sure. the music swells and like the shots because cinematography was like really becoming about like swooping swoop me was becoming yeah. about swooping yeah they're really moving those cameras around at that point too yeah. right like they finally figured out how to get those yeah. big rigs like on like mobile things and yeah yeah good times like uh oh yeah it's just so good there's just so many good ones but those two in particular were just like just kick ass and i'll never not associate that like riff like not with my father <laughs> yeah but yeah that's that's mine right. i'll i'll talk we gotta do another episode because i have like eight more yeah absolutely all right mark let's uh give us your last one for tonight my la- i guess for like quickly my last one I guess, it's probably my like my fascination with politics comes from my dad really strongly like my dad's a poli sci like that's what he got his degree in and stuff like that mm-hmm. so when any or any of this kind of stuff comes up and especially this past like the last couple of years especially have been <laughs> 
pretty trying politically. So it's always something that like my dad and I will talk about. We'll avoid talking about it with everybody else in the family because the rest of the family tends to be a little more conservative, like socially conservative, I guess. And that's not how the five of us kind of are. So whenever something really weird happens in the States or in Canada, like we pay attention to both political scenes pretty avidly. It's my dad's the first person I'll kind of go to talk to about it just to see what he thinks because he's just got like years and years of reading about this stuff under mm-hmm. his belt and just kind of understands the ins and outs of it so well that he'll, he understands it in a way that I will never understand it. And I spend like just a, like an absolutely ridiculous amount of time on Reddit reading news now about what's going on at all times. And yeah, so that's that's something my dad got me into. A little bit later, too, like that was probably like it was probably like a post 9-11 thing happening, like as I got into like as your political awareness comes into play, start to become more aware. Yeah, especially when something like that happens. And then, like, I started watching The Daily Show every day. So like that started to inform my just my daily like day to day life. Like I started to become more politically minded and that kind of thing. So Mm. that was somebody that I could go and talk to about that kind of stuff who had a, a very even and educated background in it. So I wasn't just like, I got lucky and then I didn't get stuck in some echo chamber somewhere, like some really strange right wing Fox conservative kind of <laughs> echo chamber with that. Cause they're pretty liberal mom and dad. So it, it worked out. Okay. Like I could definitely have come out way worse than I did if they had been, their political leanings had been a little bit different because I spend way too much time reading that stuff and that can really fuck with your head. At least that's what I'm gleaning from the political situation right now. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's an easy rabbit hole to go down, I feel like, because it just so it just reinforces all those negative stereotypes and that kind of thing. Exactly. So so I just like by the grace of whatever, I ended up having a super hippie pair of parents that also read about this stuff and tend to stay pretty informed. Like there was always newspapers in the house growing up and that kind of thing. And that's something that like I don't really start functioning in the morning till I've like I don't read the paper necessarily, but I get on the front page of reddit or the cbc and just kind of see what's going on in the world Mm. that's part of my morning processing the day like my morning yeah ritual for sure so yeah nice all right well i guess i'll go through my last one for tonight then which is again not one i've ever really discussed in the podcast mostly because it's not one that i really do uh currently uh but it's like models like plastic you know put together models And it's something that both my dad was really into and my papa, which my mother's father, both really into. My dad, for as long as I can remember, has had a like hobby room on the third floor of our house, which has like big table for making models. He has like an airbrushing setup in the basement of our house. Mostly he does like airplanes and cars, the occasional like motorcycle or engine or stuff like like scale model of an engine or something like that. Uh, for my papa, it was in the basement of his house. They had he had like uh, model planes like hanging from the ceiling with like fishing line kind of thing. And he actually flew. Um, he didn't ever actually go overseas during World War II because he enlisted pretty late. But he uh, flew Harvards and like trainers and stuff like that, like one little one man. Oh, shit, really? That's awesome. little one man airplanes. That so he he had sort of an interest in aeronautics uh, because of that and my my dad's dad also was flew planes in world war ii he or well, not flew he was a navigator in uh, lancasters the big british bombers in world war ii and actually did fly missions overseas and uh, and actually got 
shot down and survived getting shot down and was in a prisoner war camp for a while. So because of all that, like my dad ended up having a significant interest in like World War II planes in particular. Yeah. So he would build a lot of models for that. And eventually, I don't remember exactly how this ended up happening because I was probably still pretty young, but uh, it must have just been one of those things where, you know, you end up watching your parents doing something or like, I want to learn how to do that too. And my dad sort of handed over about half of his modeling table to me. And uh, I started out just doing like, we we would, you know, go up to that third floor space, which was just kind of like, I guess what we might call now like a man cave kind of thing. And we would he would be working on his like more advanced models and I would have just like little easier sort of click together, you know, uh, snap together models to work on to start yeah. out with. And then later on I would, I did get up to more like complicated ones, which you know, were like the glue together models that had like the really tiny parts. And most I, I did, I also did like planes and, and cars, the ones that really, or the one that really sticks in my mind, that was really kind of the one that we spent the most time on that I can remember was I did a Lamborghini Countach, which was kind of like my dream car growing up. Okay. You know, the really fucking stupid angular thing. Yep. Yeah. So it was a white Lamborghini Countach with like a red and black leather interior that we did together. So, and, and it was just one of those things where it was really very much like we were working on these things together. It was very much like a, a joint project. Yeah. And the one memory that really sticks in my mind about making models and probably the most traumatic one is probably about like age 11. For anybody that has ever worked on like a plastic model, you know, that the parts come like attached to a little like frame. So I was cutting these pieces off of the frame with like an X-Acto knife and X-Acto knives are sharp as fuck. And like my, yeah. my hand slipped and I went straight through my fucking thumb, like damn near to the bone. And <laughs> ran into the bathroom, which was you know, just down the hall from this hobby room that we had, spraying blood everywhere and like holding on to it, trying to like stop it from bleeding. But at the same time, like I was freaking out and panicking. So I was like shaking my hand up and down and like getting oh, no. getting blood all over the ceiling. On the ceiling. <laughs> it just looked like a fucking murder scene. Oh, By the no. time it was done, like honestly, it probably ended up needing a couple stitches in the end. But I mean, looking at my thumbs now, I don't see any scars, so I don't know how I got away with that one without scars. But yeah, it was it was deep. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. awesome. Let's yeah. end the podcast. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, we're getting pretty. Yeah, mo- models are something I don't really do right now. It is something I did for at least a few years along with my dad. But it is something I could see myself getting back into someday. Like. I find it pretty relaxing. Um, it's it's a nice way to like yeah. de-stress, decompress. And honestly, my dad at this point has like dozens of models that he has bought but never built because uh, he sort of moved on maybe 15 years ago now to full sides, what we call like full scale models. Like he restores and rebuilds like cars and motorcycles and shit yeah. like that now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he's doing he's doing the real thing now. So he's like fuck the toys, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but he still like buys models occasionally. So now we've joked that his hobby is just like he just buys the models, opens the box, looks at the pieces, and then puts them away and never touches them again. Yeah. So there's like a whole compartment in our like attic that is just unopened models. So nice. someday maybe I'll end up being the one that puts all those together. I'd love to do it more. It's just the I find the the paint 
application is so like so good at that that if you fuck it up it fucks the whole thing up and i'm just not patient enough to do that kind of stuff by very much it requires a lot of patience both with the paint and the uh, decals as well as just like depending on what scale you're working at like the pieces themselves can be very tiny and finicky as well well so i've seen star trek ones where the guys drill out the windows and like run lighting into like the whole like like fiber array and stuff like that i'm just like it looks amazing when it's done but i'm just like i don't have the patience for that shit like i just don't yeah who i am so anyway Um, but it's the sort of thing that like again like if i were like if I were retired or something like that and was just like, Hey, I just want to watch a movie. It was the kind of thing that I could do like while watching a movie oh, yeah, or absolutely. watching a TV show or something like that. Um, just to, you know, keep your hands mm-hmm. occupied kind of thing. Yep. But yeah. So, all right. Well with that, like I said, we definitely have more room to play with here. I feel like we'll come back to this topic again for sure. Cause I've got at least four or five more things and it sounds like the other guys do as well. But with that, we will close out. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Especially, this is a special week for us. We actually passed 500 likes yeah, and yeah. follows on our Facebook page this week. So that's a that's a milestone for us, for sure. And I don't know how many of those people actually listen to the fucking podcast. But for those of you that do, we are very grateful. And, and in part, because some of our listeners do share the podcast occasionally. I'm sure that's helped us to, to get to these numbers. So... We appreciate every like and follow and and comment that you guys provide and share that you guys give us. So yeah, keep doing that. If you do want to get in touch with us on Facebook, we are at facebook.com slash dance for what dance podcast. You can tweet at us at DRD underscore podcast. You can send us email at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. If you are not already, you can subscribe to us on Shout Engine or Stitcher or the Google Play or Google Music app or Apple Podcasts. Apple, Apple or, Podcasts, yeah. Uh, or most ways that you can find podcasts we are available through. So with that, thanks very much for listening to us rant on about our familial geekeries. And we very much appreciate it. I've been Tim. And say goodnight, Christy. Good night, everybody. And say goodnight, Mark. Have a good night, guys. And we will see you next time. <laughs> There's a lot of like wow on those on that song in particular. That's why it's great with a subwoofer. <laughs> Shakes the house.